Hey, good morning. This is Greg Grasso with Chapter One. I, uh, I've talked about National Geographic in the past. I've been a fan of National Geographic. I remember as a young child in the 50s and 60s, uh, it would be in my house every month. Um, love the pictures, love the maps. Uh, wasn't much into stories till I got a little bit older. But you know what? Um, I just got uh, handed uh, a couple weeks ago uh, in celebration for the 100th birthday of the National Park System. Uh, National Geographic came out with three killer uh, guides. Uh, one is called 125 Wacky Roadside Attractions. The other is a guide to national parks. And then we have a National Parks Guide USA for Children. And today I've got Ford Cochran on the phone. He is a uh, GEO employee. And I'm going to ask Ford, well, first of all, good morning, Ford. How are you? <laughs> good morning, Greg. I'm very well, and I'm delighted to be with you here in Idaho this morning. Thank you very much. At least by phone. At least by phone. At least by phone, yeah. Well, the good news is it's a nice day today. <laughs> nice day. Beautiful. Yeah. So, Ford, um, I want you to explain. Give it. Give me a. Give me a little bit of background on you and why uh, you're on the air with me talking about the national parks. Well, absolutely. Of course, as you mentioned, it's the it is the centennial of the creation of the U.S. National Park Service, and we at the Geographic have been fans of the uh, of the the parks and the service from the very beginning. And so we are, uh, we are, you know, collectively, the organization is really excited about this. We've developed all sorts of stories in our magazine, television specials for TV, features for our website, and these books to help people to really, uh, you know, really celebrate as well and uh, take full advantage of the parks, enjoy them. Uh, I've worked here at the Geographic for almost 25 years. I've written for the magazine. I, I helped to launch our very first uh, nationalgeographic.com hmm. 20 years ago in the early days of the, uh, the World Wide Web and uh, have also traveled and lectured on our trips to many of the national parks. I, I picked up uh, graduate degrees in geology and taught as a professor along the way, midway through my career, and, uh, and then came back to the Geographic. And so I'm a, a huge aficionado of the, uh, of the parks. I just I adore them. I love getting to them. I love sharing them with other people. And uh, so I guess I'm one of the, uh, the people that these books were created to serve. Hmm. What's, what's your favorite national park? Uh, oh, board? I tell you, it's a it's a tough question. It's yeah. sort of like asking a parent, you know, what your, what's your favorite child? Well, that's but the firstborn, but it's firstborn. I, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Well, and, for, and uh, that's the right answer too. I do actually have a favorite, and it's, hmm. it's a park that's you know partially in uh, in Idaho. It's Yellowstone oh, National Park. Yeah. Sounds like almost a cliche, but I tell you that it's a park that has something for everyone. So much. Uh, the world's first national park. I mean, people have called the national parks America's best idea. And uh, and so you know now we are we are celebrating all these years of of having a Yellowstone set aside for the benefit and enjoyment of the people, and that is a place I tell you every day in Yellowstone is is from my vantage is a day one. I am just so happy and feel so at home when I'm in that that big beautiful park. Wow, where where are you from, Ford? I grew up in Northern Virginia, very close to Washington D.C., very close to where I live right now, and we have parks here on the East Coast as well. Places like Shenandoah and sure. uh, Acadia up in Maine, and the Smokies down in uh, Georgia. But, but we've also got, or I should say, in, uh, in uh, North Carolina and Tennessee. But we we've also got all these great historical parks. You know, we've got the National Mall, and uh, and we've got Civil War sites, we've got Revolutionary War sites, places like that. There are 59 big parks in the country, but more than 400 all told, if you factor in the national trails and the national monuments and uh, the many other kinds of national parks. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking through um, the, the Guide to National Parks of the United States right now. There's, there's some great photography here. 
Um, you know, I, I grew up in New England, and I came out to Idaho 30 years ago. My wife and I uh, have been in the park, uh, uh, Yellowstone, uh, a number of times. You're right. It, it is a um, it's, it's a geographical location in the United States that encompasses pretty much the whole spectrum of geography or geology, I should say. Um, I, I, I just absolutely beautiful, and uh, uh, I think you were hinting in that uh, uh, you know you could spend days and weeks there and and never see it all and just get lost in all this wonder. Um, well. And, it, and it's a place that really speaks to what the parks are about. Of course, the earliest parks were created uh, to, to, to protect these really magnificent geological, you know, these landscapes, these wonders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Yellowstone has its, its hot springs and its geysers. I mean, more than half the world's geysers, you know, more than, more than anywhere else on Earth, are right there in Yellowstone National Park. Uh, you know, a stone's throw, if, you're, if you've got a really good throwing arm, perhaps, from, uh, from, from, from Old Faithful. And then you have this fantastic history, this extraordinary wildlife. You know, later, after the, the earliest years, uh, people began to recognize the importance of uh, the national parks as a refuge for wildlife. We nearly lost the American bison, the iconic creature, now what just named the national mammal of, of the United States. There were fewer than two dozen left in the wild herd in Yellowstone. There had been millions on the plains, and uh, they were virtually eradicated. Yeah. But they've come back through the, the help of the protection they got in that park. Yeah, they and now are. they're thriving. Yeah, you know, they, now are. They're... they are thriving, yes. And um, uh, I've, I've seen a buffalo up close. They're absolutely incredible animals. Uh, very gentle uh, in nature to look at, I guess. But uh, I guess you can tick them off like, uh, like any other animal. Um, so so uh, you've... Uh, you've been with National Geographic 25 years. Um, you've done a lot of traveling, correct? That's right. Okay. All over the world. All, All over, over the, the world. world. All over the world. And so let's talk for a couple seconds here on this uh, 125 wacky roadside attractions. Oh, <laughs> 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 this – look at – look at – when I opened this up, I, I was – I was, uh, you know, like eight years old again. It was, it was so cool. This thing is really fun to look at. It's, um, it's a real treat. And, I, you know, there was, there was an era when, you know, I think, I think everyone in the country, you know, now it's, travel is, you know, it's still an expensive undertaking for some. It's, you know, you've got to save, you've got a budget mm-hmm. to be able to do it, especially if you have a family, if you're bringing kids along. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it wasn't always, the world wasn't always so accessible. It used to be that families would, you know, plan their vacations around getting in the car and taking a drive often out, out west uh, to, the, uh, to the national parks. For those of us who had to go out to where you are to get to those, uh, those wonderful parks, it's still it's a fantastic thing to do. Road trips are just such a great way to experience the, uh, the country and all its uh, wild and sometimes uh, outrageous and wacky and wacky glory. Um, you know, I think of milestones like getting to, uh, you know, wall drug on the way, on the way across the, uh, you know, the, the northern plains. And, yeah. uh, you know, the Badlands National Park is right there, but uh, no, no road trip across that stretch of, stretch of country would be complete without a stop at wall drug, where I think they still have nickel coffee. <laughs> and, right? uh, and, and so, but it's, uh, it, really is, uh, it really is a marvel, the things that you discover, you discover along the way. And, uh, and that's for, you know, for me, I, I recently, a couple summers ago, I planned a big trip out west. We're going to get to a bunch of national parks and, uh, you know, bring them with my, with my two kids, my two, uh, two school-age kids and, uh, and my wife. And uh, she said, boy, you know, it's a lot of driving between these places. And I said, well, you, you, you wait till we're out there. You know, it's one, the countryside is so magnificent. You know, 
it could virtually all be national parks to begin with. You, could, you know, there's something to look at, something, something everywhere, and every place tells a story. But also, the, just the kind of the serendipity, the things that you find along the way is so wonderful. And of course, a huge part of the joy of the trip is rolling the windows down and uh, really taking in the scenery, the landscape, stopping along the way. Yeah, you really can't appreciate the the landscape, um, the beauty of the United States without being in a car or on a bike or walking or something like that. I mean, I, I think you really do get a different picture. Um, you know, even if you're a tourist and you're on a bus going from point A to point B, it's uh, it, it it's absolutely it's wonderment. When I first came out to the uh, the West here, uh, I was just in awe of the uh, of the vastness of this area. Uh, it's quite quite wonderful that's it's beautiful and there's and there's so many places there's so many places where even as as you know a lot of the country has changed i think of the places i'm now in my early 50s so so i've, I've got a few decades of uh, of experience under my belt and i've seen my hometown you know change dramatically over those years mm. you know the places you grow up with it's sort of it's a new town um you know they're 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 you know some of the old landmarks are still there many have changed mm. but there are places in our country that you know um, are are really the way that they've been for generations. Uh, there are places along the Lewis and Clark Trail, which of course, for you in Idaho, it passes right through. And uh, I've I've crossed the Bitter Roots. I've uh, I've I've mm. traveled you know uh, much of the trail. I love this story of that 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 sort of seminal voyage of discovery uh, here across the North American continent. Mm-hmm. And and there are places on it where you know you really get into the backcountry, and and you're seeing it very much as uh, you know the Native Americans who uh, who they were encountering along the way and and. The captains uh, saw it when they uh, when they came through. As Lewis and Clark saw it themselves. Yeah, yeah. The uh, that, re- that that triggered uh, the Columbia River Basin uh, up in uh, northern Idaho, or on the way to northern Idaho. Here, yeah. Lewis and Clark. Uh, um, part of their stent was uh, they discovered that area. Yeah, yeah. There are there are um, places in the United States. Uh, I I would assume every state of the union. Where man has never touched, you know, touched down, uh, has never infiltrated that area. Yep. That's what's so cool to me. Mm-hmm. I well, like I like getting lost in the woods, you know. Um, in in the in the woods and uh, in many, I mean, the, again, the park. There's so much in the national parks that's unexpected. Some of my favorite parks mm. are the uh, the caves, the cavern parks, mm. Wind Cave, Jewel Cave. Mm. Of course, we got Carlsbad uh, down in New Mexico, and then Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. Mm. Here's a place. This is this is. More than twice as long as any other cave on Earth, the world's longest cave, well over 400 miles, still still going strong. Uh, and I back back in my uh, in my you know late teens and early 20s, I would I would make the drive across the mountains, across the Appalachians, to Kentucky uh, to go on. Uh, they, they had monthly uh, roundups where where cavers would come in, spelunkers would come in from all over, and uh, people who, who who just craved a little bit of adventure, and they would go out to where the map stopped. And the etiquette was, you know, it would be maybe ten hours one way to get to a place where no one had ever been before. You were you know, ten hours from the nearest entrance, going hard to get to a place where the map just ended, and then you would go as far as you could map, mm-hmm. and then you would stop and you would leave some unexplored cave for the next people who came. And uh, there are still tons of going that we call them going leads, uh, tons of passages where people just don't know what's around the next bend mm-hmm. in that cave, and and uh, and more more miles being added to the map uh, every month as uh, as people still gather up there all these years later. Hey, do we have a gauge on, on, on foot traffic into the national park system? Um, it was Roosevelt who started um, 
this movement, wasn't it? Um, well, well, Roosevelt. Roosevelt was actually a huge fan of the parks, mm-hmm. and they uh, they came. It was Wilson who signed the legislation that right. created the Park Service that's, to that's administer right. them. But Ro- what Roosevelt did, there were there were already some national parks, but uh, but Teddy Roosevelt had come out. He'd experienced tragedy in his life as a relatively young man. Uh, before he was president, he lost his wife and his beloved wife. I mean, uh, a woman he absolutely adored, and uh, and his mother uh, on uh, you know within one day. You know, it's either the same day or one day apart. They both died, wow. and uh, and and he was, uh, of course, he was just uh, just smitten with that uh, with that loss. And he came out west and uh, decided that he would become a rancher. He would make himself a uh, a man of the west. And he uh, started herding cattle, and uh, and he sort of got to know the ways of the countryside. This was in the Dakotas, uh, in now North Dakota, and uh, and he just fell in love with that. But then he also, um, as as you know, so the years went by. He made more trips out west. He loved these wild places. He was a big hunter uh, himself. He liked to go and look for game. Hmm. But he uh, he he really loved these wild places. And uh, and and John Muir made an absolutely incredible impression on him. Muir was the founder of the Sierra Club and had spent a lot of time in Yosemite hmm. and was a champion, a sort of crusader for national parks. Created the uh, the conservation movement in this country. And uh, and he he took a camping trip with Roosevelt. And Roosevelt came away a changed man, determined to. To save as much of our, our you know, our, our nation's wild heritage as he possibly could, and uh, so he used something called the Antiquities Act, uh, which allowed the president to set aside places that were of, uh, of considerable scientific importance. I think is sort of the way that it's written, but he used it to set aside a lot of places that later would become full-fledged national parks as national monuments. Didn't require an act of Congress. You know how difficult it is to get Congress to agree on anything. Well, that's that's always been true, and uh, so uh, so he really became an advocate champion for places like the Grand Canyon. You know, would you believe the, the grandest canyon on the face of the planet? I mean, most most absolutely extraordinary, breathtaking, one of the most beautiful places, extraordinary places in the world. And our Congress couldn't agree, well, that should be set aside as a national park. We should, we should probably preserve that. Um, they, 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 they couldn't get, you know, uh, the gumption to, uh, to do it. So Roosevelt, with a stroke of his pen, made it happen. And then, and then several years later, and it was indeed you know, confirmed as a national park. A bill was passed, legislation was passed, the president signed it, and it was set aside in that way. But uh, but Roosevelt really was a huge champion for the parks. He uh, and and all sorts of different kinds of parks as well, and then things like national forests. Uh, he created the Forest Service and uh, and set aside. I think it's something like a hundred million acres of land as a national forest. I, I hope I don't have that statistic wrong, but I think it's it's right in that ballpark. Wow. And uh, and then again, many of of what are now full fledged national parks, many national monuments, mm-hmm. and that's a legacy. Every president has continued. Uh, I'm glad to say, you know that that legacy. They 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 see the importance of preserving these wild places, and and as you know, as as the world continues to change and our population continues to to grow. Uh, these places will become even more valuable um, to our kids and, and to their children as, as sanctuaries, not just for wildlife, not just for nature, but for the human spirit, for, for people. People need a place they can get to where uh, the world isn't so busy and the world is more like it was uh, back before we'd, we'd you know, um, uh, transformed it as much as we have. And uh, so it's really wonderful to know that these will, you know, hopefully will last for, uh, you know, for uh, an endless succession of generations to come. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned before you've been all around the world, and uh, uh, so so talk to me for a minute or two about your favorite uh, your favorite spot or one of your favorite spots out outside the U.S. 
Oh, my goodness. You know, I can tell you uh, there are quite a few. One, one that I get to all the time, and I'll tell you one of the, the, you know, one of the things I, I, I will tell folks is that as much as I've I, you know, had this incredible privilege of traveling, and as much as I love to see other places, the parks in this country are my favorite places anywhere. They're, they're, uh, the, the, they're absolutely extraordinary, and, and many people don't recognize just what treasures we have in them. But uh, I'll tell you another place that I love to get to, I get to it every year, is Iceland. Really? And uh, and this is I told you that uh, Yellowstone is uh, is my favorite national park. Well, Iceland's a place where the uh, the Atlantic seafloor is uh, pushed up by a hot spot, just mm-hmm. like Yellowstone. There's a hot spot under Iceland that's caused a uh, part of the crust to rise, and so it's uh, it's also rifting apart. You've got a whole seam down the middle of the Atlantic where the ocean basin is growing, and uh, and that seam is visible. Uh, above the sea uh, surface in uh, in Iceland, so you have all this volcanism, all kinds of active volcanoes, and uh, I think you know everyone must have seen the headlines. If they, if they weren't affected by it directly, they 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 saw you know when Eyjafjallajökull uh, volcano erupted several years ago, brought uh, air traffic you know into and out of Western Europe to a virtual standstill because there was so much ash, it was too dangerous to fly. Um, but this is a place that's just full of wild beauty, full of splendor, and um, much of the center of the island, uninhabitable, but, but, but tremendously beautiful. And um, it's also got lots of geysers and hot springs and so on, plus this incredible human history, the Vikings. Of course, mm. continuous history back to uh, you know, the 800s, uh, you know, mm. stretching back more than, more than 1,100 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, um, uh, the, the incredible culture today, the Viking people are just... Are just Wonderful Viking people, the Icelandic people, uh, are wonderful. Their language is, uh, is is you know is very much like uh, like you know Old Norse. Uh, it's you know they can read the sagas in in the original, um, and and it's a population of just over about three hundred thousand people. So it's a place, perhaps a little bit like Idaho, you know, very big place that has a relatively small population, so that there's lots of uh, lots of sort of space, lots of vast expanses of space. For those of us like me who live on the east coast of the uh, of the U.S., my county, the population of Fairfax County, Virginia, Northern Virginia, is much much larger larger than the entire population of the country of Iceland. Though Iceland, of course, is larger than Fairfax County yeah. by far. <laughs> a little bit, yes, yes, yes. You you also did some uh, marine uh, uh, life uh, exploration. Yeah, we uh, and and something that you know it's it's lagged the, the the movement to create national parks began began in this country and now all over the world. Of course, nations have set aside national parks. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's been a tremendous movement to uh, protect and preserve nature, but but the seas have been unrecognized. Uh, sources of uh, of wonder, of course, we, you know, marine life uh, is so important. I mean, the, the ocean is kind of the lungs, uh, a big part of the lungs of our planet. Uh, you've got, you know, um, uh, so much uh, creation of, uh, you know, consumption of CO two, creation of oxygen in the atmosphere by uh, photosynthesis that's happening in the seas, um, but also all this abundance of marine life and these extraordinary submerged landscapes, bathyscapes. Uh, that uh, you know, if if you're not underwater in a sub or scuba diving or or even snorkeling, sometimes you you wouldn't see it. You wouldn't necessarily know that it's there, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And so we have lately uh, created uh, national uh, marine sanctuaries and um, marine national monuments that protect the the sea life and uh, and you know um, the, the the conditions in some of these extraordinary places surrounding our country. And now this is an idea that's caught on around the world. Um, it's wonderful to have places in the ocean that are kept in their relatively pristine state. 
that are protected, that are productive, that are full of rich, you know, um, marine biodiversity, so that you've got all kinds of creatures uh, living there. You can go and you can explore and you can see them. And, uh, you know, coral reefs for one, but not just coral reefs, all kinds of ecosystems. Uh, you know, you find that many of these undisturbed marine ecosystems are dominated by uh, the alpha predators, by uh, big sharks, big mm-hmm. tuna, other, other big mm-hmm. fish that for the most part have been fished out of uh, many other parts of the, uh, parts of the sea. Mm-hmm. But what also happens is, you know, it's, there's always there's that perennial struggle. If you set something aside, you think they're winners and losers. Mm-hmm. You know, just as if you make a park, maybe ranchers who want to graze their, their you know, um, uh, herd mm-hmm. are, are going to lose out because they won't have the advantage of that, of that space. But then there are these there are these benefits that help to mitigate that, like the financial benefit of having a park. People come and visit. They spend tourist dollars. And, uh, and, and in the end, typically everyone wins. Economically, it's a big boon. And the same is true in the seas. Uh, you might think, well, if you, if you close an area to fishing, that's going to that's gonna be a problem. But in fact, many areas that are open to fishing have been fished out. And that doesn't help the people who fish for a living, and it doesn't help the people who want to uh, consume marine life as, as seafood. Uh, and it doesn't help with marine biodiversity. But if you create a sanction, what happens is, you know, in the sanctuary, you protect the marine life, and then the, it, it seeds the water surrounding it. You create more marine life that leaves the sanctuary. If you've got, you know, uh, artisanal fishermen, other kinds of fishermen who are doing it sustainably, they can collect that fish. It's good, it's good for their business. It's sort of everybody wins. Hmm. And so now, now, finally, this is a movement that's caught on. So I've, I've participated with uh, uh, Enrique Sala, who is a, a marine biologist and conservationist the Geographic works with and supports, hmm. uh, with Sylvia Earle, uh, who has devoted her life to exploring the oceans and helping to conserve the oceans on their expeditions in places like uh, Cocos Island uh, in uh, Costa Rica, the Pacific waters of Costa Rica, mm. and uh, in um, Salasi Gomez, which is near Easter Island. You know, it's here sort of you know one of the most remote inhabited places on the face of the earth. And there's a little island 250 miles to the east of it. You fly five hours from the South American mainland, from Chile, on the mainland to get to Easter Island. Then you get on a ship and you head back 250 miles, and you're at this rock in the ocean, Salisy Gomez. No people live there, but millions and millions of seabirds, and around it, an abundance of marine life, incredible marine life. And, and the Costa Rican government uh, expanded a marine sanctuary they'd created years ago at Cocos. The Chilean government set aside waters around Salisy Gomez. And, uh, and, and here in the U.S., uh, all sorts of new marine national monuments have been created in the Pacific to, uh, help, to uh, help to preserve our marine life. So it's a, it's a movement that's catching on globally, and we're very grateful to see it happen. Jeez. Boy, oh boy, you are uh, you're one busy guy, I tell you. <laughs> Ford, Ford it's, been, uh, it's, it's been fun talking to you. You know, I can tell that you are so passionate about this, about your work. Uh, it seems to be part of your DNA. Um, and, and plus the fact that... Uh, you get you, you must have a great job working with scholars and writers and photographers and and no wonder you're so smart you've been hanging around these people for 25 years <laughs> oh yeah it's, well they're the, they're the, they're the smart ones but i'm lucky i'm i'm very fortunate to uh to to work here at the geographic get to work with these incredible uh, talented people yeah. i get to work with yeah. on on projects that i hope will uh, will inspire people to uh, love our planet even more do the things uh that we need to do to uh, keep its wonders, uh, its natural and its cultural wonders around for uh, for future generations. Well, you know, as we as we um, uh, as we scourge the land for uh, for minerals and and uh, assets, uh, I'm really thankful that these parks are being protected because these are 
these are rich in uh, in in uh, assets and in, in physical assets. Um, I mean, you know, I hope we I hope we're never allowed to dig in some of these parks. But boy, I'm I'm, I'm sure it's it's just rich in uh, in uh, geographical uh, history and 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 assets. That that's what's really cool to me. And there's nothing worse than uh, <coughs> excuse me. There's nothing worse than going into a park uh, environment um, and having a McDonald's there. <laughs> I just hope that never happens <laughs> if I ever see development in national parks. Um, yeah, anyway. Hey, dude, uh, this has been fun. Um, I, I really appreciate you coming on board. Uh, and uh, I – like to maybe talk to you down the road. Uh, I, do you do you have anything coming up in the in the it, near future? Are you getting close to retiring? Or? Uh, it's well, I you know I tell you I did well, maybe maybe my bosses could tell you something different. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I I I hope I won't retire for a little while yet. I've still got uh, got uh, you know I hope a few more a few more good years here. Well, that's but, right, uh, You're fifty but, something, right? Fifty something. Yeah, but 50 but something. the um but I do have uh, I would love certainly I'd love to speak with you again. I really appreciate the chance to talk with you sure. and uh, and to tell all your listeners how again how fortunate uh, they are to live in such a such an incredible place i, I love getting out to uh the northern rockies to the to the bitter roots to uh you know idaho is just just great great country uh and the, the channeled scablands all the rest of that you know those incredible uh, ice age floods that you had out there it's just uh it's just great people are so are so nice and the landscapes are so inspiring um but uh i've got some trips coming up I go, like i said i go to iceland every year i'm going back with a bunch of high school kids hmm. taking them uh, to learn photography and filmmaking and uh, and some science some uh, some geology a little little bit about um, glaciers uh, in a country that's uh, got quite a few of them and uh, and then we've got a, a tri- I'm bringing my family out to uh, to Glacier National Park in Montana right next door yeah uh, before the ice melts <laughs> before the last of the, uh, the glaciers that's and glaciers right. they're just about gone they're very they close to gone. gone there yeah. and so and then we'll get up to the Canadian Rockies that's uh, the end of June and mm-hmm. and uh, early July and then uh, with the geographic I'm uh, lecturing on a trip. We call it our ultimate national parks trip, hmm. and uh, and that is going to be to Yellowstone and the Tetons, and oh, then really? to oh. uh, yep, and to Glacier, and then out to uh, Washington State, the Olympic Peninsula, and then on to the Grand Canyon, wow. and uh, that's in uh, in September. So I've got some really really fun trips coming up. Well, great. Get a hold of me because uh, maybe we could do maybe we could do a live show or something. Follow you on the road or. I think that'd be cool. That would be um, fun. I would love to. Yeah, or maybe I can get my boss to let me go up to see you. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, come on out. Huh. Do do an interview right in the parks. Oh, you know, that'd be the cool. Yellowstone, the Tegan, you know, Jackson, of course, is is you know just several hours away. Oh sure. And oh, sure. Uh, and uh, and uh, Glacier is just, just so extraordinarily beautiful. They're all close by, and you just you know. Keep on coming, you know. Come on out to Washington State too. Come on down to the uh, the Grand Canyon. Crazy. We keep going, and I've got. I'll tell you, I've got a good uh, a good friend, a colleague of mine. You know, our trip we call it the Ultimate National Parks trip. But I tell you, he is taking the Ultimate Ultimate National Parks trip. He uh, left his position. He headed up National Geographic Adventures, all mm. the, the the adventure trips that we have for uh, people, so that uh, he and his girlfriend could take the entire year they're going to all 59 of the fully designated national parks they got an airstream in tow oh, <laughs> and wow. uh, they're taking pictures uh they're they're uh they're blogging about the experience they're making short films they're just having an incredible time oh, wow. and uh, now there's there's the ultimate trip it's my ambition to get to all of them one day myself but i've still got got many to go well if you ever need a 
camp chef, let me know because uh, <laughs> one of my passions is cooking. <laughs> I've been on a lot of vacations and and w- rafting trips and whatever where uh, where I'm hired uh, as a, as a chef because when I go camping, I I eat like a gourmet, um, you know. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Make it all ahead of time. Bring it with you, and then. Crack open that bottle of wine and look at the stars, and how 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 much more perfect can it get? Mm-hmm. It's, you can't beat it. Best well, restaurant in the world. Yeah, you got that right. Well, Ford Cochran, thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad I got you on the air as the uh, let's say the spokesman for the uh, 100th uh, the centennial celebration of the national park system uh, in conjunction with uh, National Geographic. Ford, thank you very much. So very much my pleasure, Greg. Thank you as well, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. Cool. Okay, yeah. Was that all right? Was that good? Yeah, we're done. All right. Fantastic. Hey, thanks a lot, man. This was it, fun. Yeah, my pleasure. Like I said, I'm glad to do it any time. Give, yeah. give me a shout. You've got my email address. I'm going to write you an email. So uh, yeah, so let me know. Let me know if you'd like to chat some more, and yeah. uh, and I'm uh, always glad to uh, always glad to uh, hop on the air with you. It's great, good times, and to get together when you know when I'm uh, when I'm out west, if uh, if you like. We'd if, love to. We'd if love and to. when you get to DC, look me up too. I'll give you the grand tour of the geographic. If you're, well, if, you're if I make it, if I make it back to the East Coast this year to see my mom, uh, I will. <laughs> okay, all right, that sounds good. Thank you, Ford. All right, have yeah. a great uh, have a great Memorial Day weekend. You too, sir. Bye bye. Thank you much. Bye.